Hello and welcome to Valley Lights Church Online. Next week is Thanksgiving and pretty soon we'll get to Christmas. And I hope that those are big and special days for you. But not just those days, hopefully the day before and the day after and all the days in between those two holidays. And what about all the days next year? <laughs> Wouldn't it be nice to stack up lots and lots of good days, not just the big days. That's what we usually anticipate are the big ones, the holidays, the special occasions. But there's a lot of routine, normal, everyday days in between them all. We're in a series called Stacked. What are the four ways to stack up good ways? My name is Bruce. I'm the lead pastor of Valley Lights Church, and I'm glad you've joined us today. In this series, we've been looking at a few different ideas. Uh, you know, I recently showed in one of our services a video clip from the movie Soul. It's a Pixar film, animated, and uh, my favorite scene from that movie is it's a montage. Um, it's, he has this epiphany about how great life is, the main character, Joe. And he, there's this you know, real moving music playing in the background. Actually, he's playing piano. And as he plays, he remembers special moments from earlier in the movie with different characters that he comes across. And so he remembers, and there's just these good feelings, and you get a glimpse into the story, but then you start getting a glimpse into his life as before, you know, before the movie time is showing, it actually shows a clip from uh, him with his parents. You know, he's listening to a record player with his dad when he was a kid. And then he, the music goes on and he remembers when he had some pecan pie. <laughs> you know, one night in a diner, it's, it's cold and snowy outside, but he's got this warm pie with coffee inside. It's just, a, you know, it's like, I want to be there. <laughs> um, it shows him... Uh, teaching a student how to play music. Later it shows him standing barefoot in the ocean, uh, just at the shore with his wife. And there's all these moments, these just uh, really great moments that are shown one after the other. And it's actually, one of the reasons it's my favorite scene in the movie, it's a great illustration of remembering and then finding joy in just the normal days, just the simple things. And when I watch it, I actually, I resonate with some of those same things and I, I feel this deep sense of gratitude. For me, it's to God. <laughs> I, my gratitude is directed towards God when I watch that film. It's a feel-good movie. But how, how would you get there in real life? How would you build a life that you don't just feel good about, but a life that truly is going well and it's getting built on the right things? How do you stack up a lot of good days? Well, we've been answering that question by looking at part of the Bible, the book of Psalms, um, which is a, bunk, a collection of prayers and songs. Uh, Psalm 34, it's kind of like a diagnostic tool. <laughs> you know, if, if you've wondered, man, why isn't life coming together? What's going on in my life right now? You can check yourself on, on these things in Psalm 34. If you look at verse 11, David was the one who wrote this, and he says, Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Now, the fear of the Lord is the very first ingredient to stacking up good days, and we looked at, at that at the beginning of this series. Um, that's taking God seriously, actually taking, respecting God so much that I, I want to stay in, in line with His commands. His, his ways are kind of like guardrails that keep us moving in the right direction in life. That's the first ingredient. 
Then uh, David writes, whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, which I think would be probably just about all of us. <laughs> um, he says, now do this. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies. Now, there's a way of living that we allow some deception to occur with the people that we relate to. And that's what we looked at next week or, or uh, last week. That was the second ingredient. And so uh, we looked at that. The, the third ingredient, which we'll look at today, is turn from evil and do good. So there we have the third ingredient for if, if you love life and you want to see many good days, we've got to turn from evil and do good. And just so you know, uh, evil and good, those are two huge concepts in Scripture. <laughs> really big. And, uh, you know, in fact, evil, uh, the word for that in Hebrew, which the Old Testament is written in Hebrew, the word for that is ra. And it occurs 347 times. So there's a, there's a lot to learn from that. The word for good is tob. It occurs 484 times. And so you've got, you know, you're, you're about 800 instances where these concepts come up. And so what I'm about to share with you is far from exhaustive. It's not. Um, but I have studied some of the occurrences of these words. And I want to pull from different parts of the Old Testament and actually the Bible as a whole to give a better understanding of what's being said here about turning from evil and doing good. So we'll break it into the two parts. The first question is, what does it mean to turn from evil? Well, what I discovered is that turning from evil involves admitting my faulty perspective in life. <laughs> I've got to admit that my view on things isn't always the right one. And in fact, whether you know it or not, you have a problem with seeing your life accurately. I know that you have that problem because I have that problem. We all do. Most people walk around thinking, my view on life is the right one. There's all kinds of views out there. You, you could find a thousand views on social media with just a click. Uh, but you know what? My view... I may not know everything, but what I do see, I see correctly. That's what we tend to think. Look at Proverbs 3, 7, where it says, Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Oh, there's that idea, fear the Lord again. And turn away from evil. That turn away from evil is the same phrasing that we, we looked at in, in the psalm. So you can see a connection. You know, this turning away from evil involves not being wise in your own eyes. And, uh, you know, that's, that's hard for us because we normally go through life doing whatever seems good to me. I do what seems good in my own eyes. And, uh, again, that movie, Soul, it shows this most typical approach. Um, late, at the very end of the movie, uh, Joe, who's the main character, he's given a second chance in life. And so, of course, he's, he's, he's reflected, he's had this epiphany on how good and sweet even the simple moments of life really are. And so he's asked a great question. For, and, and honestly, for a kid's movie, this is a really good question. Someone else asks him, so now that you get this second chance, what do you think you'll do? How are you going to spend your life? That's a great question. And, uh, you know, the music swells and he's about to respond and it feels kind of emotional. And he says, I'm not sure, but I do know I'm going to live every moment of it. <laughs> Which, you know, I guess that's a good answer. 
I'm going to live every moment. It's just a little vague, if you ask me. I don't really know. You know, I don't know what that means. It sounds great. But if he, if he does, if he does go on to live every minute of his life to the fullest, here's my question. Who is he going to reference to decide how to do that? How, how is he going to make decisions about how to live life to the fullest? Well, he's probably going to consult himself. I mean, this movie, like most movies nowadays, is a prescription for life. You know, the filmmakers, they have this message that gets communicated through the characters and what they learn and their epiphanies. And there's this prescription that we get. This is, this is how life is lived. And so when you watch a movie like that, what do you think the filmmakers are suggesting as the person that you consult for living life to the fullest? I think they would recommend that you look in your heart. <laughs> follow your heart. Follow your dreams. Live by what you think. That's, that's a, that one thought, follow your heart, is as loud as a foghorn in all of the movies that come out, especially the ones towards kids. Follow your heart. Follow your desires. Follow what you want. Do what seems good to you. Do what you think in your eyes is the best way to go. Well, let's look at what the Bible says about that. Proverbs 13.9. It says, Desire fulfilled is sweet to the taste, but to turn from evil is detestable to fools. And so there's this implication here. There's these two ideas. Satisfying all of your desires, fulfilling your desires, it walks the same path as foolish people. Only fool, fools satisfy all of their desires because they're focused on themselves. They're focused on what's good for them. They're not open to outside input. So that the implication is that turning from evil involves refusing to satisfy all of my desires, not chasing after them all, not satisfying them all. Much of the Christian life is turning down my passions and my desires and saying no to myself. And the Christian life isn't that way. It's not, it's not designed to make life dull and unenjoyable and boring. The issue is many of our desires are destructive. And what David was getting at in Psalm 34, this idea of turn from evil and do good, basically we can stack good days by doing what is good in the eyes of God. Not just doing good what's in our own eyes. And this is real, that's, there's such a big contrast there. There's a real fascinating story in the history of Israel that highlights this. King Hezekiah, he was one of the great kings that Israel had. They, they had a long line of awful kings, just really bad rulers. You think, I don't know if you like our president now or if you, had, if you did a couple years ago or whatever. You know, there's, we've had different levels, but Israel, whew, they, had, they had a long line of awful ruling kings. And uh, Hezekiah, though, he was a good one. At a certain point, he got really sick. Actually, he got a terminal sickness. We don't know what the illness was, but uh, there was a prophet, a man of God, who came and told him, hey, set your house in order because you're not going to recover from this sickness. Just kind of like nowadays, if you were to hear a doctor tell you, you've only got a few months to live. What you're facing, you, you're not going to recover from. This is terminal. That's, that's basically what he finds out. And 
So in 2 Kings, uh, Hezekiah, after he gets this news, he turns his face to the wall and he prayed to the Lord. In prayer, he says, Remember, Lord, how I have walked before you faithfully and with wholehearted devotion, and I have done what is good in your eyes. That's, that's actually the phrasing that we've been looking at, this doing good in God's eyes. And that was true. He, did actually, he actually did live that way. And so at, when he hears this news, he prays and then he weeps bitterly because he knows he's, he's about done. But before Isaiah, who is that prophet, before he left the middle court, the word of the Lord came to him and God says, hey, go back and tell Hezekiah, the ruler of my people, this is what the Lord, the God of your father, David, says. I have heard your prayer and seen your tears. I will heal you. On the third day from now, you will go up to the temple of the Lord, and I will add 15 years to your life. And I will deliver you and this city from the hand of the king of Assyria. That was the enemies of Israel at the time. God says, I will defend this city for my sake and for the sake of my servant David, who's the guy that we've been reading from throughout this series. So the way that Hezekiah lived had significant impact on the outcome of his life. The way that kings ruled before Hezekiah was they just did whatever was right in their own eyes. King after king after king after king after king, they just ruled in what ways seemed good to them, and it was pretty destructive. But Hezekiah was different. He was focused on doing right, doing good in God's eyes. That was a much harder path, by the way. Um, it required putting down a lot of desires that a lot of kings before him just were just quick to satisfy. That was a harder path for Hezekiah, but a lot of blessing flows from it. Many more good days stacked up because of it. What is the good that God wants you to do? If you were to do what's good in God's eyes, what, what is that? What, what even would that look like? Well, sometimes it's kind of hard to know. What, what does God want me to do anyway? What is God's will for my life? We have such a strong pull towards our desires. And our, we, we, uh, you know, we default to thinking that our view is the best one. So it, it kind of seems like there's just a lot working against us in this whole thing of knowing what God wants. So here's a few ideas. To do what is good in the eyes of God, first, we have to discover what is important to God. And the primary way that we do this is through a steady consumption of his word, the Bible. If we hop over to one of the letters written by Paul in 2 Timothy, uh, Paul wrote, All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching. Meaning, this, so he's, re he's referring to the Bible as we have it. Um, it's profitable for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. So the more we dig into the Bible, the more we know what is important to God, what is right and good in his eyes. So you might try this. If, if you don't have this, here's, here's a, a possible next step for you. Is to read the Bible five times this week and do what it says. I'll read the Bible every day and find something that I can do in response. Because the Bible, it's actually, some, some may see it as a reference book. You know, it might be on the shelf. It's a book, and when you have a problem, you take it down or you search it on your phone. It's not like that. It's not like dictionary.com. It's not, it's not like 
you know, Google search. It's not like that. God's word is not like a book we just take down and put back on the shelf until the next problem comes up. The Bible is more like food. We regularly eat and digest food. We consume it, let it nourish our bodies, and it sustains us. And so the Bible's it's more like that, that just steady consumption. And it's also not like a cliff bar where you just grab it out of the pantry and head out the door and grab and go. It's The Bible is more like food that you get from steadily tending a garden every day. If you had a garden, you go out there and you take time to, to water it, tend to it, learn and learn as you go and develop the skills. It's, you know, gardening's not really all that big and flashy, I guess, unless you have a HGTV show about it. But for the most part, gardening, it's, it's just a thing about being steady and regular and routine. A really good life flows when we are committed to taking time to staying rooted daily in his word. That's how we begin to know what's good in God's eyes. But I will give you a freebie. I will just tell you something that's good in God's eyes. This is, this is a real big priority to him. Another thing is doing good to others. Now that, that's a, that's a big concept in scripture as well. Look at one example in Galatians, another letter of Paul's. And he says, let us not become weary in doing good. Boy, sometimes you can't. Do the, you know, doing the right thing time after time, that can become wearisome. He says, for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, we, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Sometimes I think we grow weary of doing good to others because it interferes with what I want. <laughs> doing good to others requires that I expend myself. I give when I don't want to give. I, I invest when I don't want to. I do something when I'd really rather do something else. Doing good to others is usually not for me. So if I were to do good to others, I might do something that doesn't come back for my benefit. So practically speaking, one thing, here's another next step you might consider for this week is why don't you meet the needs of someone around you this week? Who's someone that you think is often overlooked? How could you meet their needs? Or maybe there's someone that typically you would prefer not to meet their needs. Or who's someone that you could serve and help if you just had more time, but actually now you're just gonna make time and you'll, you'll decide, no, I, this is important enough for me to, to invest the time here. Doing good to others is a real high value to God. And it's, 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 it's an important thing in his eyes. And I'll give you one more freebie, another thing that's important to him. As you read the Bible, you discover that another place of high value is doing good at my church. Now, some people nowadays prefer to be passive consumers of church. And it's really easy to do that. I mean, especially now that so much is offered online, you know, you're, you're listening or watching right now. So, you know, stuff is available online. And this is actually a really helpful way to engage people. But if it just stays in the realm of passive consumption, that was never God's intention for how church ought to work. God wants us to be deeply involved in our church. And just so you know, it doesn't even have to be this church. 
Valley Lights. You don't have to invest here, but there's so much good that each of us can do. In fact, that we were designed to do for the health and the growth of whatever church we're a part of. So there's some key ways that you could do good at, well, if this is your church, then here's some ways that you can do good here at Valley Lights. Uh, the first is to attend. And you can attend Sundays or our small groups during the midweek um, or events that we have periodically on weekends or other times. Life gets busy, of course. And there's a lot of things competing for your time and your attention and your schedule and your kids' schedules if you've got kids. You know, when it comes to attendance, sure, we all go out of town. Uh, but on the other days, we have the choice about what we're going to be committed to. And by being physically present, you can help us. You can actually help us establish the life-giving culture that we're trying to create. So attending, that's one, that's one way. Um, another way to do good at Valley Lights is to give. God instructs believers, people who follow Jesus Christ, to give 10% of their income back to him. And the way we do that is by giving money to the church that, where we're invested. And so let me give you some financial background for where we are at as a church right now. So our church is a year old. We just started in 2020. And we op we it takes money to run this thing. <laughs> in fact, there's a very extensive camera filming right now that was a purchase. And we've got lights and, you know, even just this one small aspect of, a, of an online recording. Uh, even that takes a lot of resources. So, um... Our church, it runs on two streams of income. One stream is from the giving of our members and people that say Valley Lights Church is my home church. Uh, we, get, we get money from those. We also get another stream of income that we get. Uh, we have outside supporters that are very committed to seeing the health of our church and to see us get established. And so when we started, there were only 10 adults. Me, my wife, and eight others, and each of us committed to tithing our income to this church. But it wasn't nearly enough. No way was it enough. So we were very dependent on outside support. And our goal is to become completely self-sustaining within the first two years. So we're halfway through. We're a year for a year. By the end of year two, uh, we would... well. A lot of the support's going to drop off anyway, so ready or not, it's coming. Um, but currently, about about half of our expenses are covered by you know the local support, and about half the outside support. And here's something exciting: in October, we had a lot going on. We did uh, we had a grand opening in the new location for Rio Norte, and we did our big sports camp, which was a five night program. Uh, geared towards reaching new families in the community and um, doing programs that would really be a source of joy and refreshment and fun for families. And so anyways, we did, we had um, a lot of big things. It was, and honestly, it was, I think it was probably the most intense, busiest month of my life, uh, especially leading up to this. It's been all consuming. And what's amazing, it was a, 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 really a month of the biggest outreach for us as a church. And it was also the month of the biggest jump in giving from our local members. We had a 25% increase in our giving, which is amazing. We've never had a jump like that in since we've been around. And when I saw the numbers, 
I was so encouraged because it showed me, man, I really believe that God is in this. When we really expended ourselves and just stepped out, really stepped out in faith, doing some things I didn't know for sure we could pull off. God came and he supplied resources that we were going to need for the next step. And so this is amazing. For for many of you, uh, well, many of you are supporting, uh, but your hearts are behind this. The trail of finances is how you know where a person's heart is. Where you give, that's where your heart is. And so for, for those of you that have been a part of the local giving that's supporting our church, thank you so much. That outside support is going to drop off. And actually, we're saving, we save each month some of our income for the time when the outside support does drop off so that we can sort of level out a little bit. But we still, we have a gap to cover since half of our expenses are covered by the outside. We have a gap to cover over this next year if we're going to be self-sustaining. So you might consider deepening your investment and helping us to become a self-sustaining church by increasing your giving. Um, so, so we've got attend and give, and then serving is another way to do good at Valley Lights. And another fun fact about October, many people have served and volunteered at church more than they ever have at any church in their lives. And I know that because I've been talking to some of our volunteers. They're like, man, that was, you did a lot. First of all, thank you. But have you ever done that before? And uh, one, one guy even said he had such a big role that was so demanding on a schedule, especially during a work week for sports camp. He said, he's like, in the middle of the week, I thought I made a mistake committing to this. <laughs> it was hard. It was very draining. So how about you? I mean, if you would say that you're serving and volunteering more at Valley Lights than you ever have at a church before, just go ahead and raise your hand. There it is. All right. I see you there. Well, thank you. We need every one of you. And we need more people beside. For anyone that thinks we have it all together, woo, it's by God's grace. Let me tell you. It's by God's grace that it appears that way. Oh man, we, we're, we're riding the line of having enough people and scrambling week to week to get church done. Um, I had asked someone about coming early for setup on Sunday morning at 8, 8, 8 a.m. And, uh, and they said, I was like, oh, I thought, I thought you guys had enough people for setup already. I was like, how do you have that idea? I don't know why you think that because that's not true. Uh, the truth is that there is room for you. And there's a few actually, there's a few key ways that we are looking for additional help right now. Um, one area is in our kids ministry, and uh, we've got a lot of people serving. Um, some are serving once a week or um, uh, once a month. Some are serving every Sunday for a month on and then off for actually a few, <laughs> a few have been serving even more than that. But our uh, kids ministry is one of the key ways to help families stick. When a new people come, uh, the experience that their kids have is a huge factor about whether or not they'll come back. In fact, we've had kids that are new to church and they, they come and they say, mom, dad, can I come back next week? <laughs> and so it's really helpful. It's, it really is a part of us growing and, and reaching more people and helping people stick around so that they can learn to walk with Christ is our kids ministry. And so we are needing more people to uh, to jump in and then more people to 
increase their level of service in KidZone. Another area is in worship. We have a band that changes every week. <laughs> Not usually quite sure who we've got week to week, and uh, we're just real limited on the number of instrumentalists and vocalists. And so I uh, often play guitar on Sundays. It's not my preference to do that. Uh, although I do really enjoy it, but I'd love to get more people involved and I'd love to build out a team and have um, really worship as a way to bring people in to, um, to to really pause to reflect on God, to, to focus their attention on Him, to even have some response after a a message that may really speak to somebody to have a way to sing that back to God is a really important part of the worship experience. And so we're definitely looking for vocalists and instrumentalists to team with us. And then a third way is I want to develop a new refreshments team where we uh, provide simple but nice foods after church on Sunday mornings because there's an opportunity there. Sometimes people are newer checking out church. Maybe they've never been to church before. And uh, having a snack of some kind, of some quality afterwards, there's, it just allows a little bit more of a delay before they scoot out and go back home that allows us to interact and really show hospitality, um, help people experience and just get a little taste of the relational culture that we've been developing. So I'm looking for people to help with that as well. Beyond that, there's all kinds of other things that we still do. There's a bunch of teams that I haven't named. Uh, but let me get to the fourth and final way to help do good at Valley Lights, and that's to invite. You can invite others to church or to our website, to our podcast, and you can invite people to experience life with Christ. You can share. Part of this is just reaching out and sharing the good news about Jesus with others. If Valley Lights is your home church, you can be a light in this valley by inviting other people to come experience the refreshing life that comes from walking with Jesus and for being a part of the family of God. And if you step out and you do that, you invite and share, God, I believe that God will use your network of relationships to draw more people to him. And so, as you're listening, if, if you do any of those things, if you attend regularly, um, which this counts, by the way, this is an aspect of attending, listening or watching online. If you attend, um, and if you give, and if you serve, and if you invite, then praise God. That really does please Him when we invest our hearts and do good in that way. And a lot of you are doing, there, there's many that are doing all of those things. And you're the reason that we even have a church right now, that we're able to stand and grow and keep expanding. And uh, you might consider, are there, are there any of those things that I'd like to make a deeper step of commitment in? Um, either attending more, uh, giving more, serving more, going out and inviting people more. Or going back to what we looked at a few minutes ago, maybe it's meeting the needs of someone else in your life. That's a step of doing good that you might like to do. Or deciding to read the Bible daily and to do it, whatever it says. That may be a part of understanding what's good and right in God's eyes. So this concept of doing good, it's enormous in the Bible. And so 
these are just only a few aspects of that. But now that we've covered, to some degree, turning from evil and doing good, we've hit the first three ingredients of stacking up good days, one after the other. So as we revisit that Psalm 34, where David says, Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. That's number one. Whoever, whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies. That's the second thing. And then three, turn from evil and do good. And then there's a fourth statement, he, a, a fourth, fourth ingredient that he provides for how to stack up many good days. But you'll have to come back next week to hear what the next one is. And uh, this amazing passage, like I said, it's sort of like a diagnostic tool. Am I doing these things? It's written in the Bible twice because I think God wanted us to read it more than once, to really have it ingrained in the way we view life, the way we approach life. And it's written both times in the Bible. It's written during a time of real difficulty for the authors, despair, persecution, and suffering. And that's amazing that David and then leader Peter would talk about how to stack up good days in the midst of a real trying time. There's a lot of things in our world and, our, and maybe even in our personal lives that feel out of control, there's a problem and there's pain, but in the midst of that, we can love life and see many good days stacking up. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for your goodness to us and for how comprehensive the Bible is, your words to us. Turning from evil is hard, and there's a lot that goes into that, and doing good is also pretty hard. And there's a lot of different ways that we can do that. But would you help us? Would you, would you, for those of us that walk with you, Holy Spirit, would you nudge us, speak to us, convict us, move us in the right direction to know how it is that we may please you, how it is that we may see life the way that you see it, and we do the things that you want us to do. And for those that are investigating who you are and what life would be like to walk with you, would you provide the, the light and the understanding needed to take additional steps of commitment to you and to fully surrender your, their lives to Jesus Christ. And it says, in his name we pray. Amen. Have a wonderful week and we'll see you next time.